The funny thing about podcasting is that there really is no wrong way to do it. But there is a right way. This is my conversation with Mark Asquith. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't. And we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny Podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repun. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. Welcome to the show. I'm here today with Mark Asquith, CEO of Rebel Base Media, known as the British Podcast Guy. He's a TEDx speaker. He's uh, spoken at Harvard University. He does a lot of uh, speaking engagements in the U.S. in particular. So, um, so we're very happy to have Mark on today. And we're going to talk about a lot more than podcasting, but we're definitely going to get into uh, the podcast game. Mark, welcome. Thank you very much, sir. We're here to get your story first and foremost. Um, and, uh, and I have some, some questions for you, but why don't you uh, tell me why you why you got fired so much when you were trying to do other stuff? Oh, I just quit before I got fired a lot of the time. Right. No one's really got the balls to fire people. It takes a lot to fire people. It does. And, uh, you know, that's, that's always interesting. Um, I just think mainly because I used to sort of report to, like, middle management, and middle management, as a general rule of thumb in my experience, is just, just a total waste of time. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, there's everyone's generally there to kind of cover their own backside enough to get to the next tier of middle management. And that's what everyone seems to or seemed to do back in the day. Yeah. And um, I, that never really struck me as, number one, like something that's worth doing. I never understood that incremental, you know, if I work my ass off for such a long time and put so much more in. Than, than people expect, you know, maybe I'll get a little bit back in five years. That just never didn't compute. It seemed silly. Um, and, and and then, like, the accountability side of things, I just, it annoys me when people aren't accountable and when they're, you know, they're always book passing and, 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 and sort of dodging. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably vocal with stuff like that and just call it as I see it. So that's, uh, if, if you are a middle manager that is managing a... Uh, a gaudy sort of 21, 22-year-old that doesn't work so well for you. You know, you don't really like it. Um, so that's that's pretty much why. But also just, man, I just got I used to get bored so much. Yeah. You know? What boring, were the jobs? What, jobs. Were, what were you doing when you were when you were young and you were starting out? Um, it was really sort of admin, worked in pensions offices, doing admin, a little bit of sort of systems admin, uh, a little bit of kind of programmatic data admin, which then got me into kind of... Um, the web and software stuff and um just mainly dealing with that sort of stuff and 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 it was very sort of quite repetitive stuff you know it wasn't very interesting to me which is probably another reason to be completely honest but you're tech oriented right you have a not really i just i think i was just in that i wouldn't say i was tech oriented i'm more like fun oriented okay and interest Good. oriented it just happened that i was i was i got really lucky to be in this weird goldilocks zone yeah of of um of, of i suppose my generation like i was I, I was brought up without a lot of tech 
but was young enough when tech started to become much more adopted. And I'm, when I say tech, I mean generally mobile tech and web tech, sure. you know, digital tech. When so I was I was very fortunate. I was like 16, 17 when cell phones really took hold for the mass. Um, web 2.0 came around when I was like early 20s. So Web 2.0 gave people not just the opportunity to consume, which is what Web 1.0 was. Web 2.0 gave people the opportunity to create um, a little bit easier. So you started, you know, you start to see things like Ajax developing, which allowed for um, things to be saved quickly on the web through asynchronous calls. And it was it it was that Goldilocks kind of zone. I was just the right age, and tech was just there. I was uh, so tech was just around. So I, I, a lot of people sort of think this, like, "Oh, you're a tech guy." Um, I'm really not. I, I I get tech, and I know how to code some things, and I've built tech businesses. Right. Um, but the content that I put out, you know, there are other people in my space, for example, that focus on being tech founders, whereas me. I focus on being the educator in my space and the things that interest me. And it just so happens that I've built tech companies because I had the opportunity to do so. Right. So yeah, bit of a, it's, it's only a very subtle difference, but it, I think it drives the day to day a little bit differently. You know, I think it, I think it's a mindset thing. You know, do you see yourself as a, uh, you know, you can be entrepreneurial uh, as you were with, you know, captivate FM and, uh, and other projects, but, you see yourself as educating, as sharing knowledge. Um, and I think it's a matter of what slot you, your priorities fall in, you know, it is your priority yeah, so. to, to start a business and sell it or, you know, X, Y, and Z, or is your priority to do, uh, to do the educational side. So speaking of that, well, I don't think that, I don't think that, Sorry to jump in. Sorry, but no, no, no. I, I actually I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like I think a lot of people, like of course, the goal is to build a business. Whether you sell it or not is is different. But the goal is to make money, so that you don't have to worry. Because if you're worrying, you can't do the other stuff. Like you, you're not going to create great educational content that you give away for free if you can't pay the mortgage. You know, it's, right. it's sort of a, a a startup mentality. That's why a lot of investment firms and especially in the early days of startups, you know, specifically like angel level or, or, or kind of pre-seed or even up to like seed and, 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 and even maybe just a touch beyond where the investors want you to take a decent salary out of the investment money because if you are worried about paying the bills, you can't do a really good job. So I think I do think that's sort of a um, it's something that a lot of people get worried about talking about, saying they want to make money. Like you should want to make money. Like you, your kids have to eat. It, there's no, like it's cool, you know. Um, whether you want to sell the business or not doesn't really matter. You want to make a good living because you, you never say, "Well, well." Actually, I'll rephrase this. I was going to say you never say you never answer the question, "Why did you start the business?" With because I want to make money. The reason you don't answer with that is because it sounds crass, and we've been taught that "quote unquote" authenticity and this abundance mindset is what everyone wants to hear. Sure. And whilst it's true. You can't have that really nice, fluffy look at that. It's in a crappy entrepreneurial guru book. You can't have that side of it without the ability to say to the mortgage company, there's your payment on the first of the month. So it's a lot of people teach one or the other. Like you've got to have this abundance mindset. You know, if you if you don't have a plan B, if you have a plan B, sorry, you don't believe in your plan A. Like that's stupid. Tell the army. You know, it's ridiculous. So it's you, you sort of get into this weird, you know, I am not allowed to talk about the fact that I, I want to make money because I'll get told off. But when, when 
let's just be honest. Of course, we all want to make bloody money. That's why we're here. But it's the how we make the money. Like we can, we can make the money and do all the good stuff that looks really good from a PR perspective, or we can make the same amount of money and do really crappy stuff. Yeah. And there's only one of those that's going to build your reputation, that's going to allow you to have a legacy that you can be proud of. Because, you know, I, I, could, I could get knocked over tomorrow by a bus and my little daughter's got to deal with how people think of me. And that, you know, it can make the money anyway. It's, 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 it's how do you balance that, which I think a lot of people, um, they get it a little wrong in a few different ways. So, yeah, I know that's a bit of a tangent, but I just think it's a fascinating point that, that, that I don't think many people talk about it. I agree. I think that, that we're, you know, I come from the marketing world where purpose-driven marketing and, uh, you know, charitable affiliations and all the stuff, all the stuff that comes with that, it's, it's doing good. We become better by doing good. So the motivation for a brand, let's say, to align with a charitable organization or a cause, it, it, it shouldn't be uh, scrutinized and, and, and become so suspect immediately. Oh, why are they doing it? They're doing it because it's, we're supposed to do good things. You know, you can have a purpose-driven business that really exists simply to make the world a better place. Like you said, you make your money somewhere else. That allows you to do this thing for free. That allows you to do... It's really pretty simple. But um, as you were speaking, yeah. I wondered, you know, how is having uh, a daughter affected your approach to podcasting both in terms of your time and commitments to the things you do and the way you feel about what you do i, I don't think it's really changed that much I'm, I'm a little bit naive and this is sort of almost relates back to that question about you know why did you why did you leave sort of work and and and, and you know jump before you got pushed sort of right thing. like i'm really naive in the like i treat everyone the same quite literally everyone the same it, it doesn't matter and i've always had this quote-unquote problem and, 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 and only found it a problem you've had when this I was affliction really because, it's an affliction of, yes of, exactly of, i've been afflicted with niceness with equity yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's funny man because when i was when i was younger and i was working the jobs like you weren't allowed to be like that it was right the guys that all sit around the desk and when i say guys i mean literally the whole team of people were sat there and we were all friends you know there was there was a range of 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 ages and 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 backgrounds and ethnicities and genders all around this table and we were all we all felt equal and friends and peers and colleagues but then the manager quote-unquote manager that was on the next banker desk or you had to sort of treat them differently and that was sort of stupid it was like why do you have to do that like just i'll treat you louise sat opposite me um, who I know will not be listening, not seen her for 20 years, but Louise, I'll treat you the same as I would treat the quote-unquote boss and their boss and their boss's boss. Like, I don't care. You know, we all we all eat, we all drink, we all we all breathe, we all walk and talk, and we all make good decisions and bad decisions and tell good jokes and bad jokes. We're all the same. Um, and, and that sort of leads... This is actually a really good connecting question because it then leads to, like, how... What I talked about with the money, you... If you just go about life like that, and I realized this when I got a bit old, if you go about life like that and go about business like that, making money becomes easier because people they, they know that you're true to your word and you're good and you do good work. So 
having a little daughter has not really affected how I do things from a, a, an, an approach perspective. Like I'm the same as I always have been, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll teach her to be herself as much as you know. I wish someone had taught me that that was all right in my in my youth. You know, I had to find that out a little bit later. Um, in terms of time, I sort of I've backed away from creating content for the last probably three months, but. I thought it was because we'd had our daughter and we were really busy, but actually, I, on reflection, it's not. It's because I was burnt out on it. I'd done about 1,200 podcast episodes, about, yeah. I don't know, thousands of, of, of pieces of content, writing and videos and, 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 and even, like, Twitter threads, man. They are, like, blog posts now and newsletters. I'd done so much that it was... Um, I thought it was our little daughter taking more time but she wasn't it was just actually i'm a little bit burnt out so i'm but i'm i'm, I'm getting back to it i think I'm, I'm sort of my head's coming round a little bit yeah um, but i understand that 10 years it's nuts yeah i think i think that during the pandemic when at the very early part of the pandemic here in the united states and things and everything was it felt like an alien invasion right you have no idea what's going on and all my all my business projects were on hold and I was just here with my kids. I have two kids still at home. And I I kind of upon reflection, you know, I thought I was not able to do everything that I wanted or planned to do. And in reality, I think I was burnt out on the previous year because it had been a, a trying year schedule wise and and uh just do, do, do I really like everything that I'm doing? And so it forced this break and I hadn't done any performing for like that year. I really, I hadn't done any performing. I hadn't done any, anything that was really fun like that. I had done brand stuff, which is great, but it was gratifying, but it wasn't. And then I started making these crazy videos just to survive, just to keep my sanity. And nobody really saw them. They were kind of on this little Instagram channel that, you know, wasn't promoted or anything like that. But I felt like, oh, I guess I needed that. I guess I needed that, that, you know, break. Um, podcasting can be, I guess, an avocation or a vocation. Um, if someone comes to you and says, I, I want to do a podcast, what's the very first thing that you respond? I just say, well, good, <laughs> you know, that's cool. You know, I, I think when people have got to that stage and I think the normal marketers answer to that will be go to my free course, which obviously everyone has, right. we've all got them, you know, we've got one, but there's about 30,000 of, of, of the others that have got them and they all exist. They're all decent, you know, and I, and, and I think that for me, it's just good. You know, I don't care how you get started, whether you use our platform, use another platform, use our course, use another course, sort of don't really care. You know, you'll come across our content and my content and me in the space just naturally from being in the space, just because I'm, I've just been in it for a long time. Well, here we are, and as so, an example, ex you know, exactly, exactly, and that's where the British podcast guy thing comes from. You know, it was, it was, you know, back in 2013, 2012 when I started my first set of shows and then started going out to the conferences and stuff. There was literally podcast movement there was not another british guy apart from maybe Colin, who's scottish and he's clearly scottish he doesn't sound like me um so it was people just say oh, which, which one's mark oh, it's that british podcast fella i was like, all right that, and it just stuck so i think because of being in that in that 
circuit for such a long time when someone says i want to start a shop I'm like, well this is brilliant just crack on you know let me know what i can do um and I do think that when someone's got to the point that they want to start a podcast, it's sort of like making any decision. When you get to the point that you think you're ready to make a decision, you've probably already made the decision because you've you've gone through the thought process, you've gone through the fear and the worry and the ups and the downs and the what's wrong, what can go wrong. Um, so to be able to, to, to publicly say, right, I am ready to do this. You've already decided, you know, I think I might want to start a podcast. Well, you clearly do. You know, which is great. Um, and I think that's always the first thing that I tell people is that you you can you can you can not worry. Yeah. <laughs> like what's what what you don't have to worry about your voice. You're gonna cost you're gonna sound weird to yourself because you're hearing your own voice through your bones and your muscle structure and it's coming through your all of the little fine bones that you've got in your ear canal. They're all, you know, they're coming from your vocal cords. It sounds different when you hear it through speakers, because that's science. So like, yeah, let's get over that a little bit. And then, okay, no one's going to be interested in what you're talking about. Who cares? There will be, clearly, because you go to the pub and you see people. And it's rare that you go into a bar and people just go, not interested, not interested, <laughs> not interested. You know? Yeah. You, you always attract someone, don't you? Whether it's over the beer that you share an interest in or the, the, the comedy that you that you enjoy or the TV show, the movies, the whatever. So that's that thing. And, I, you know, I always try and help people with those common obstacles and the time thing i've not got time to of course you have you know you just it's a just make it a two-minute podcast it's fine so i think a lot of people especially because podcasting has become such a big i was gonna say it's such a big industry it's not a big industry but it's become an industry yeah which it wasn't before and i think because you know a lot of the entrepreneur gurus have jumped on it as you know let's 10x your business with, with, with podcasting like that's bull let's and then you've got people saying well how can i compete with the big you know, wonders of the world and these big hyper productions of the world. Like, you know, after that's not podcasting, they make podcasts, but they're media companies. Don't worry. So I always try and I like dispel. That's my always my first answer is like, brilliant, crack on. Here's like five things that you're definitely going to worry about that I'm just going to tell you straight. You don't have to worry about. Now let's let's crack on. Um, and you can sort of see the relief in a lot of people because yeah. they are they're so annoyed by you know start a podcast the right way oh no, what if I don't? What if I started the wrong way? Oh dear. You know, so there's a lot of that that goes on. You know what it's like. Well, it's fear of failure there. You know, we a lot of what holds us back from anything. What would hold somebody back from applying for a job that they that looks interesting to them or from, you know, me walking up to someone and introducing themselves at a party? Or, it's, it's fear of rejection, fear of failure. I think what was liberating for me in in terms of this particular podcast, there were two things. One was that I, that I really, I felt it, I felt it served a purpose, like that it, it would serve a purpose for me first and foremost, but the truth tastes funny idea that, you know, the, the truth's out there, but we, we have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, you know, that, that felt good to me. Then the other, the other part was that podcasts are not late night talk shows, you know, there isn't a network, right? There isn't, it's not uh, a network television or streamer or something where I have to deliver a certain, you know, audience. I'm not competing with Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not competing with any Jimmy that I know of. Um, you know, I'm competing with the Jimmy within me. That's what it is. 
It's the, we've all got a Jimmy we've all got a Jimmy within us. It's the Jimmy within me. You're competing with yourself, lad. That's what it. That's what it. That's what it really is. You're, you, we're competing with ourselves, and, and I think that's great advice. Is you know just 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 crack on, just get started, just do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this popped into my head at, at this moment, but. Uh, I, w- I think I was thinking about things that we do outside of when, when we're doing a podcast and you, or podcasts and you become very kind of one thing I did learn is I be- became obsessive about it. And I think that's fun once you get over the fear of anything, once you start doing anything. But um, but you have you have multiple podcasts at this point. Right. You have a Star Wars podcast. Is that right? I do, I do, I do. I'm a Star Wars tell fan. Tell me about tell me about your your love of Star Wars. I'm sort of a fan of all things that are, that are interconnected. So I'm like a I'm a fan of story and connected story okay. mythology and lore and all that. And Star Wars is sort of one one of a couple of different things. And 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 I think any kind of media like that, whether it's anything Marvel or for me, it's like a lot of DC stuff, specifically on the reading side of things. Or whether it's like the Stephen King universe or any whatever, you know, any of that stuff. There's so many access points to it. So, you know, your daughter may like the characters. She may like, may like little Grogu. She may like the sounds because they are quite evocative and they're quite specific. Um, from a composition perspective, she might like the visuals. Um, and, and someone else might like the story beats or the costumes and, and it sort of happens. I think there's so many different ways and types of liking yeah. a, a, a mythology or a universe that that's quite fascinating. For me, it was very much the connected nature of things. So I've, I was always a fan of Star Wars. Like I always enjoyed Star Wars, the original trilogy, but I wasn't like one of those, oh, look at me, I'm a kid and wow, it changed my life. That wasn't the thing for me. The yeah. thing that turned me on was the prequels because it was like, well, wait a sec, that kid there is going to become the big bad guy out of these other films. Holy crap, this is crazy. What's going, this is, I've got to figure out what this is all about. Yeah. Um, so it was that connected nature of it for me and because I'm always a fan of that um, pretty intricate storytelling and the, the knock-on effects of things. It's just how my brain works. It works the same in business as well. I, I can see a move, well, yeah, I can see a move that we make today and why we make it when I know that it won't pay off until four years down the line and other people can't yeah. see it. It's just how my brain works, how we've got to where we've got to. Um, we, we, some of the decisions you make, other people just can't see why you make them. So I, my brain works in that way. You know, it's always a very, um, it, it works like a domino effect. Okay, this happens and then this connects to these 10 things. And that that's the attraction to me um for for things like star wars as well and, and you know it's not just star wars it's other things you know i like dc stuff i like some of some of that side of things and, and like i said probably a little bit lapsed on this but things like the stephen king universe and some of that writing um and, and yeah that, that's why it's the connected nature of the stories i think i think what they yeah what they all have in common is the the serialization aspect or the collective the collection aspect i think that you know speaking of dc and you know the marvel universe i think that with the advent of the of their success people were i think that actually helped the star wars universe because when you're on top or when you're iconic or alone there's blowback and if i if i recall correctly it felt to me like there was a period where after the prequels there was a little bit of exhaustion and fatigue with Star Wars. And 
so you had diehard fans, but you had people that were like, ah, gives a shit. You know, I'm just not, you know. Then Marvel, you know, Iron Man and Marvel and DC and all these things were happening, and that kind of takes the pressure off Star Wars a little bit, and they could start to focus again. I think that uh, uh, when it comes to fantasy, you know, nowadays, we probably we probably have a mixed relationship with fantasy, right? We, we, mm. we don't love the reality that we're in, but we don't trust the unreality uh, because it isn't real. Um, mm. You know, not to get yeah. exis- I think it's, you know, existential. But <laughs> no, no, sorry to jump in, but no, I think you're right. I think the, um, you know, especially the last couple of years, like escapism has been... Um, fascinating to see you know we, we, you look at things like tiger king at the height of the pandemic yeah. you know the, the height of the first lockdown you know would that have flown as big as it did fly if we'd not all been locked down probably not but we all wanted to see the wackiest of wacky and 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 and, and you know told joe you know joey exotic delivered because you know regardless of anything else it just it was it was that far removed from holy crap there's a pandemic and we can't leave the building that it was it was cool, you know, and it was it was the escapism, and and I think you're right. I think it's um, we we because of the rise of the on demand world as well, you know, which sort of links back to podcasting, the ability to to get what you want when you want it. I think the difference is now as well. You can escape to wherever you want to escape. Yeah, you know, you can escape into a world of of, of Joey Exotic and Tiger King, or you can escape into a world of Star Wars, or you can escape into a world of First Action Bureau, or, or comedy, and listen to up and comers or you, you, you can you can escape wherever you want to escape whereas like a few don't know a few years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago you couldn't really do that much because you had to go to a store that sold the things that you loved you know getting yeah. your particular brand of comedy was less easy than it is now um youtube didn't exist and so on so I, it, it's i think that's the the shift in all of all of our lives is that everything is available to us, and it's. I think that sort of links back to us being able to be more of ourselves as well, because we can back to that podcasting thing. You know, people won't listen to what I say or like what I say. Yeah, you'll you'll find your people because they're all online. They're, they're we're all around. Yeah, you know, and we're all searching for the things that we like, and you'll be searching from it from your side, and we'll find each other in the middle. And it's. Um, you know, there's a lot of problems that come with social and, 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 and online and the attention deficits and, um, you know, the very negative aspects of trolling and some of the content that's out there. But there's a lot of good in that yeah. online X aspect as well, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting world, isn't it? We live in a quite a pivotable, pivotable, quite a <laughs> pivotal, um, you know, set of 50, 60 years, I think. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. It is, it, is, it is a fascinating time because, to your point, we can find each other. And not only can we find each other, we, can, we have the, the means to create, a, to create. We can create a new stream of comedy. We can create a new platform for dialogue about something that's not being talked about. We, we don't have to rely on three television networks and a radio you know, and a newspaper for the information we get at the same time trusting the information when it's practical information is a hurdle now um disinformation uh what role what role do you think 
podcasting plays in informing people, informing its audience? I think it's the same as every other media form, really, in that, you know, you can... You, I think it's more about how the listener approaches their ability to objectively research. You know, you, you can you can positively reinforce any decision or any opinion just because you seek the biased content that reinforces it. We've all done that. We all do that, you know, positive reinforcement. Bias is, is a thing. And um, I, I think podcasting's role is just as another art form to be able to just give people the spread of information and the breadth of information. Does, does it solve the um, let's get the right info to the people that need it at the right time problem? No, and I don't think anything can because you, you move in the circles that you move in. And those circles, um, to to varying degrees, are protected by their own gatekeepers. You know, if you if you if you are in the circles of very far right or very far left, the people in those circles are gonna be very far right and very far left and promote the content, whether that's audio, video, written, whatever. And they will only let that stuff in because it promotes the the bias that we wanna we wanna see, and that's. You know, it's not really, I think, for us to be able to, 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 to deem any of that appropriate or not. I think it's individual choice on how we, where do I genuinely want to develop as a person? Like, okay, I, for argument's sake, let's say I'm an absolute bang-in-the-middle central thinker. You know, I'm a total centrist. I'm right in the middle of everything. Just, actually, that's okay, but what's my own mindset when it comes to development? Am I able to say that I'm wrong if I find new facts that support other things, if I find evidence that supports opinions that I don't agree with or like? You know, and, and that's a very personal thing. And I think podcasting's role in that is just to make content available to those who really seek it. You know, will it solve problems? Well, it's that's up to the people looking for it because we can't influence what people are looking for, and I think that is, um, you know, the advent of the internet and the 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 the, the complete rise in, in in the massive content that is produced on a daily basis. You know, that is is just it's something that we've all got to make our own decisions on. You know, because we can we can find evidence for anything if we look hard enough. It's up to us, I think. You know, have you seen a lot of podcasts out there that are that are actually not helping or that are hate, like, are there hate? Like, what is the, are there standards out there for what can be podcast and what can be, I, it hasn't, I haven't come across the issue, so I don't really know, but is there, is there a struggle with that at all? Well, I think there's, a, there's always a struggle with that. And I, I think it's really, that, so there are no standards per se, right. you know, there's no regulation. Will, will there be in the future? Maybe as it gets bigger. Um, but I think what's fascinating about this is that, uh, you know, we are mostly private companies that are working in podcasting and, and, and you know, the, the, there are the obvious examples of hate speech, you know, which is clearly straight out hate speech that as a private company, you can, you can choose how you handle that. You can choose what to put in your T's and C's with that because you just that might just not be something that you want to be involved in of course so you 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 make the personal set of decisions as a team and as a company because you can and you're allowed to because you're a private company and you can just say well that okay if that happens we're not involved in it you please do go somewhere else and 
we've seen that before and I think then you sort of get the inevitable, you know, well, you can't cancel things just because you don't like it. Mm-hmm. No, it's not canceling it, but my company doesn't have to be involved in it. Like, you, you know, for every argument of, of you are being canceled because you're saying something that someone else doesn't like, there's the flip side, which is, that's cool. You don't like that thing. I don't like this thing, but it's my company. I'm, it's, you know, right. that's 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 how it is you know you won't come to my house and do it i'd just tell you to fuck off <laughs> so you know it's and it, so i think there's there's a lot of that and i think what the challenge is as a always as a business person and as anyone that's trying to do fair work with people which is the only way to build a business is to just do fair work with people like you will never build a business using any other tactics other than just being a fair and and honest transparent or empathetic set of people and I, I do think that's where the balance comes in is that you've got to hear everyone out. You've got to just say, well, t- what's your perspective? T- um, the decision might still be something that you don't like, but I am here and I will listen to that perspective. So please tell me and we can have a discussion on it. And I, I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong. A lot of people don't do that. They get a bit bullish or they get a bit get a bit harsh or they get a little bit um, hasty mm-hmm. with things, which, which never helps. So I, I do think there's a few general rules of thumb but i think if you just like if 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 your baseline is just decency like you know it sort of self-regulates if that makes any sense yeah well it it leads me to to ask about podcasters uh searches guest search you know when you're looking for guests is there a part of your um education of podcasting podcasters that that has to do with seeking out uh, certain points of view or different points of view? I think the challenge with that is that you can't teach that. I think because then it becomes the thing that's being forced on someone, you know. Well, I don't want to. All right. You know, so if even if you sort of try and educate on that one, you'll just get people that say, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know. So then you you become someone that is, 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 is not is not being fair because you're trying to get them to change their personality. You can advise personally and say, well, look, this is me, Mark the human, saying to you the human, think about this, you know? But as I think as a brand and as a company and as an industry even, I think you can, you can sure, you can educate on the benefits of doing it and how you would approach attracting other opinions and being objective enough to listen to them and taking the ego out of the equation and keeping humility at the forefront. But someone's got to walk through the door. You know, you can open it, you can show them the way, you can clear all the debris out of the way, and you can say that is the path. But unless they go, they're not they're not going to do it. So uh, it's 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 tough because everyone is so different, you know. And it, it, it's it wouldn't do for us all to be the same. That's the beauty of the world. And I think regardless of whether you think you're right or wrong or good or bad or whatever, it doesn't matter where you think you sit in the world. I think the second you even try and get someone to think like you, you're sort of missing the point, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you're then, you're then engaging and changing minds. Now you're, you're talking to them about an opening mind and you're trying to force an open mind on them, force an open That's mindset. It. Yeah. You know, you will listen to other points of view. I demand yeah, it. Yeah. It becomes interesting. You, yeah. You do become like the thing you're trying to stop. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What's exciting you right now? What are you What are you engaged in, and 
what's 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 on deck for you i'm just carrying on i just carry on you know i, I enjoy what i do i've enjoyed it for for 10 years now you know since since before podcasting was a an industry when it was just 30 of us in a room you know back in those days and it's not that hasn't changed you know i just keep doing what i do and focus on the family focus on just enjoying it and, and helping as many people as possible and sounds really cliche a lot of people are surprised by that someone had said to me I, uh, at the podcast show in london wow you're just a marketer and a, a, a quote-unquote guru i was like that is quite literally the last thing i am like i hate the guru mindset i think it's all bullshit and um i hate it i just think it's silly and i said why do you think that he said because you can't you what you put out looks almost too genuine I, and I just said, that's my, that's my genuine, my actual <laughs> stupidity in just being naive. Like I would just, I am always the same. And he sort of, he, he considered it for a bit and actually said, actually, do you know what? Now you've said that no one else has described you ever as any different. And it was, it was fascinating. Um, because I think we live in that world of sort of authentic, fake authenticity yeah. where it's like, you've got to be seen to be authentic. And, and, and you know, it's, it's all this, oh, you know, great to chat. Please let me know who I can connect you with and who I can help you with. Like, that's admin for you. What are you saying that for? Like, you don't, it's because we've been taught to be super authentic, yeah. you know, which is this real, and it's cool, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's, I think it's now sort of crested the wave a little bit where people just think it's bull crap that's in a, in a, it's an entrepreneur book somewhere um and it probably is so I, for me it's just like more of the same yeah it, it, it really is just like carry on just being me and helping people with their shows and building the business and creating content for people and you know set the dog for a walk and feed the kid that's, <laughs> that's it. it well it's like it's like the forcing the open mind thing you can either live by example teach by example teach you know, that just kind of be yourself and hope that hope that that's appreciated and that it makes you feel good or you can preach. And that loud, bombastic voice is the one that's, uh, you know, it's going to reach some people. It's going to reach people who want to be reached by that, who like the bombast and like the like being told what to do and being directed and forced. Uh, but I, I get why it's people are sometimes taken aback by the soft-spokenness of, of what you do. Oh, I'm definitely not soft-spoken. Well, I'm exactly the well, opposite. You're soft -spoken. Well, you're soft-spoken. Well, in this interview, you're soft-spoken. You're, you're not bombastic and, and for, you know. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a difference you're not between shy. That and, and the direct approach. No, no, yeah. no. And it's, I, I, I adopt a direct answer approach um, as, as best I can. And it's, I think that is a... Like if you ever notice a lot of people that give advice and so on, I'm known for I am sort of known in the industry for being pretty direct and outspoken and, and but in a really fair way. As a great example, like there are other companies that do what we do. And 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 a lot of the old legacy companies, when some of the newer companies came on the scene, they just, you know, their marketing approach and response to other companies was to slate them and to deride them and so and I was always I was that guy that always recommended other companies uh -huh. that are comp quote-unquote competitors to ours and i think that's that's the thing i'm known for is like real direct like come on this is stupid why are we all acting like this but i think it's for me it's all about enabling decisions and it's it's very it's a very direct approach so a lot a good example of this is like a a, a really simple example is what mic should i use for, for my podcast and so many people yeah. like the, the gurus and so on well you know 
this is an option and this is an option and this is an option and this is an option. Here are my affiliate links. And I'm just like, no, use this one mic. Go and buy it now. Because people don't want... Um, they don't want, in my experience, the empty feeling that comes two weeks after you feel like you've been given good advice by someone that's really loud and confident and makes you feel part of something. And two weeks later, you realize, actually, when you come down from the dopamine hit of one of their webinars, you realize that you've not moved forward because they sit on the fence so much because it's dangerous not to sit on the fence. You know, if someone disagrees with you because you're not on the fence, Ooh, you know, I might get told off. So, and it might damage my email list and all that kind of rubbish. So for me, that that never works. And I think that you're completely right in that I'm not a big bombastic sort of uh, personality, but very kind of vocal, outspoken and direct with an, 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 a real focus on that. Look, you might disagree with this, but you asked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's that, it's that sort of thing, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just a natural trait, I think. Because what you're going to hear from those from those loudmouths who, at the event or whatever, is you come back to them and go, uh, you know, I just this didn't work or whatever, and it's like, well, what do you want from me? <laughs> what do you want from me? Oh, you know, I a lot of it as well. It's you know, the, it's amazing. They, they'll sit on the fence, but they won't take ownership of whatever it is they do put out. If I could take any advice from anyone, the advice that I am trying to take is love yourself. Be yourself is hard if you don't love the person inside yet because it's hard to be them. So we have to first figure out who we are and be okay with ourselves and then we can then we can be it. And so if you're living it... Well, I think there's also the other side of that as well. I, think you, I do think you can approach that the other yeah. way. <laughs> like, how, how, how do you know that something's all right? Like, how do you buy, you know, this pen, this microphone, uh -huh. these AirPods, you know? People tell you that they're pretty good. Yeah. So when you're naturally yourself, like, a great example is a couple of drinks, you know, you generally become a little bit more yourself. Yeah. People probably like that person. And so I always find there's that opportunity that if you aren't over keen on yourself, try and just be more aware of how people are being with you when you feel like you're being someone that is closer to yourself and you're uncomfortable because you probably in that moment, you're worried about being uncomfortable. And so you don't notice what people are doing or thinking or saying or how they're responding. So I think there's a, if you can just introduce an element of awareness to, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm feeling like myself. I think that people probably won't like this rather than that consuming the time that you are acting like that, actually try and shift the mindset and say, well, wait a sec. How are other people respond? Just sit quiet. Just sit and just watch how people are reacting to you. And they're recommending and endorsing that person that you are. And suddenly that becomes more natural to you because, well, actually, you know, I'm here with Hirsch and I can be myself around you. So I'm, you know, these 50 people, I'm going to be the show mark. Yeah. But actually with you, you responded well to normal me when we had those couple of drinks. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I really think. You know, I'm going to be myself. And you, 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 you know, you'll tell someone and you'll introduce me then as the person you know me to be. And that new person doesn't know me as any different. Right. So you, you, you say it becomes this, you sort of connect the dots, you know, but I think it starts with that awareness of I'm a little bit uncomfortable rather than that being the focus. I should probably think about how people are responding to that because maybe, maybe the discomfort's misplaced, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people can tell us who we are 
because they have the perspective. We're not walking around with a mirror and we shouldn't. That's it. You know, so gauging how that reaction makes us feel, I guess. Right. Is is what we're well, looking for. All about that. We're looking for. We're, all about the feel. Yeah. We're looking for feeling good about someone's reaction to us. Um, Mark, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your coming on. It's been very interesting to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me, man. No, it's a pleasure, and likewise, yeah, really good to chat and, and, and very comfortable as well. So, no, I, I appreciate it, man. It's a great show. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.